What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Chaos in Christ Podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix, and yeah, welcome back. We are getting into the groove of things. I appreciate you taking the time. If you haven't done so already, and you've already heard a couple of other episodes as I was getting everything figured out, consider subscribing and following and sharing with other people. My goal here is to take the culture and our personal lives and the chaos thereof and submit it to Christ and see what the word of God would have us do and teach us through this process. And my desire is to share Christ through the midst of all this chaos and nonsense that we are seeing because at the end of it all and deep down to its roots, it is coming from a place of sin and separation from God as we try to navigate through this world um, doing so. So with that being said, today we're going to be talking about neutrality and how there pretty much is none. There's no neutrality whatsoever. I came across this article which was uh, pretty interesting and sad, all to say the least. It was a headline entitled, Americans are creating their own vaccine mandates by cutting ties with the unvaccinated. I will have the link posted in the show notes below. So make sure if you want to go check that out and read it, go go ahead and do so. Um, anytime I ever source some sort of quote unquote article, I will always make sure I list it below. Now, there's a couple key points that um, it said and it read, and obviously you're going to go ahead and read it on your own, but there was uh, some numbers, some stats. 30% of the millennials and Gen Zers in the United States have cut ties with a friend, family member, or acquaintance because of no vaccination. All right. So, I mean, it's getting real, folks. We are pretty much being forced to choose to pick a side. Now, picking a side in this type of scenario is just really unfortunate. We're talking about uh, vaccination towards a virus that has already been proven over and over again that it's pretty survivable. You can actually survive it. You have about 99 point whatever percent chance of surviving it. Okay. I know that that word and that number triggers people because they're so subjectively uh, invested into the narrative and, and into, you know, the idea that uh, not getting a vaccine shot is going to kill grandma. But that is the the reality that those are the numbers. I, you know, I encourage you go look it up yourself, you know, be your own critical thinker. That is what I hope you get out of this as well. I never want someone to just take me um, for my word. That's not healthy. And you should always make sure that you you check it out. Okay, just do your own homework. Very important, which I think is not happening in our culture anyway. But so we see that we're, we're pretty much policing ourselves. We are cutting ourselves up and, and dividing our, ourselves based on uh, this narrative of the vaccinated and unvaccinated. And where is this all coming from? I mean, at the end of the day, this is fear driven without any critical thinking being applied whatsoever. So I decided to do some uh, number homework and uh, just look at what, you know, up today, today is November 20th of me recording this. By the time you listen to this, it's on a Sunday, November 21st. And then whenever you decide to catch it, it's obviously a couple of days after. But Let's look at the coronavirus cases for a second here, okay? Now, as of today, there have been 257,144,921 cases being reported uh, that has been proven COVID-19 positive, all right? This is coming from the Worldometer uh, website, and again, 
the link will be listed in the show notes. You can take a look at that. Obviously, it might be a different number by the time you get to it. But this is as of November 20th, 2021. And now let's look at the deaths. There have been 5,159,088 people who have died from the COVID-19 virus, which let's just pause and recognize that these are family members. These are brothers, sisters, fathers, dads. I mean, I said fathers and dads do the same thing, but you get what I'm saying. These are human beings with people in their lives that love them and that are heartbroken at this. I've actually had certain people in my network of my sphere of influence that I've I've seen have passed away and I've broken down and I've cried for the loss of their lives uh, because it's not easy and it's heartbreaking, okay? That is not to take away from the 5 million that have passed away. It is unfortunate, okay? No one is bypassing that. No one is ignoring that. And I believe that if you can be really cold to the idea that people pass away without knowing who Jesus is, that's that's the real tragedy, okay? Now, let's look at the recovery number. Again, the coronavirus cases were 257 million, a little bit over. The deaths, 5 million. The recovery, 232,187,636. You do the math on the percentage. But clearly, clearly, we are recovering way more than we are losing. Way more. We should be celebrating that. We should be thanking God for that, right? Because if you haven't remembered or maybe you bought into this weird kind of idea of the world, yeah, tomorrow is not promised for anyone. Whether that comes from a virus, a car accident, or chewing on a gum the wrong way and choking yourself up, okay? It, it is not promised. We live in a world that has fallen and there are things that are going to present itself that are intended to kill you. <laughs> That's, that is the reality. We can't escape that. The truth is that we are facing death every single day. We wake up and take our, our new morning breath and then we move on and in faith and in hope, we pray, we get back to our families safe and sound to live and fight another day for. My hope is a good purpose, but nevertheless, I mean, again, guys, I mean, we're going to die. <laughs> That's, can I, can I say that? We're going to die one day and it's, it's okay if you know who Christ is, right? So we should be grateful for those that have recovered. There's a big number of recovery up to date, November 20th, as of those that were, uh, you know, cited to have the coronavirus case. So there's those numbers. We are literally dividing each other based on something that has truly proven itself to be very recoverable. It has. And we're we're gonna we're gonna shut down our friendships and our loved ones uh that that you know d- decide that they don't want to get a COVID nineteen shot because of this narrative that's been spit out to us i mean let me do some comparison and i know people don't like comparisons this is a form of whiteness i'm sorry but i gotta say it the flu right the flu um, obviously that's been with us for decades we are aware of the flu all right the flu accounts for 290,000 to about 650,000 deaths per year do you know how many people are cited to actually contract the flu 
How many people actually get it on a year-to-year basis? I will get you that number. It is phenomenal. For the flu, we are looking at about 9 million to 41 million illnesses that are reported. And about 140,000 to 710,000 hospitalizations. Now, deaths, 290,000 to 650,000 every year. How long has the flu been with us? I mean, if you just do 10 years alone, I I am sure the flu has been with us 10 years ago. All right. I remember being a kid. I got the flu. People got the flu. People get flus. Right. How many, when you multiply that, even by the lowest number, 290,000 per year, you multiply that by 10. I mean, how many people have lost their lives? And, And obviously, each flu has its different strands. So, you know, we are affected by it in different ways. Why are we not panicking for the flu? Why are we not shutting out our loved ones for the flu? What is it about the coronavirus that got us up in arms and just completely uh, like losing ourselves and losing our loved ones and shutting everybody down for something that's so easily recoverable as long as you take care of yourself? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. People who have comorbidities, have underlying health issues, immune compromised yeah, that, that's something you have to be very careful for, all right? Because obviously COVID-19 has proven to be able to exasperate all that within it, the underlying issues, and then cause, unfortunately, uh, fatality when it comes down to it, all right? So now I'm not taking it away, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get vaccinated, okay? Make your decision. Be wise. You know, look it up yourself. I'm not a fan of being forced or coerced to anything, and clearly... I. I don't know about you, but I'm not personally into the idea that I'm going to lose friends and family if I don't get it. That doesn't make me want to get the vaccine. It makes me feel like this is there's something weird going on. Uh, that, that's how I feel, though. Now, to me, this is just an orchestrated divide, and it's working. All right? It's working because what have we figured out? Well, health and life is our idol. We are trying to preserve our life. We would do anything to preserve it. Even cutting off the ones that make life even worth it. But another part of me uh, sees this as a way for people to find purpose. I believe it gives people a sense of purpose who otherwise deep down are still searching for one. Seriously. It gives them a sense of higher calling. And and most of these people on other you know people's opinions may deem them as successful. But you don't know what happens inside the heart. You don't really know what's going on inside the person. They only give you what they show you. Sometimes people try to tell you and we ignore it too. So, I mean, can't always blame them. We don't believe each other anymore. We think we're all looking for attention. We've become such a narcissistic culture that a person that is finally being honest about wherever they're at in life might, you know, trigger someone else down the street and say he's just looking for attention. She's just looking for attention. And so with that, what? why would anyone want to bring it out? Maybe we're all searching for something deep down inside. And when we find something like this that is about saving lives, we latch on to it because it gives us a sense of a higher purpose. Honestly, I really do believe that that is the case, that people find these fights and these ideologies and this wokeness that has surfaced our land. And it touches the lives of people who otherwise feel like they have no meaning. And it gives them meaning. I mean, look, at the science that they claim to follow 
do not support their claims. But in this my feeling matters society, they will chalk these numbers up to be some sort of white privilege and you are not a problem. All these numbers I just told you about and everything like that, that they're going to chalk that up to white privilege. I'm the problem and it's just a part of, of the 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 white supremacy that is permeating through our culture whatever whatever that is whatever that means um that's that's really what they're aiming for but again guys i think this is something deeper and obviously what i want to do is i want to turn to scripture i want to turn to what the lord teaches us during this time because it's unfortunate maybe you're seeing it yourself and you see that there's a huge divide taking place in our culture we are dividing our families amongst each other based on who's vaccinated or not, who voted for Trump or who didn't, who aims, uh, who, who claims to be a conservative and a liberal. It's It's gone to that point where we are completely being divided. And true colors are being shown deep down inside. And the underlying issues that everyone has had is being shown because apparently there's an apparent bigger thing amongst us that social justice warriors have to capture. But what causes us to truly fight with one another, to truly get at each other based on these things? Let's go ahead and turn to cha uh, James chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So that's the question. This is the question that is being posed in James chapter 4, verse 1, which is my question. What, qua what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you question mark now passions let's pause for a second i looked this up a little bit uh, in the greek they, the passion word can come in many different definitions truly just based on is on its context on the scenario of what is being spoken of about here and now while passion is you know different things the meaning that it boils down to here in James is pleasure, motives, self-interest. All right. So what we have here is our self-interest, our motives, our pleasure at work here. All right. Is it not this that your passions are a war within you? We are battling the desires of our flesh, the desires of our passions, our pleasures, which clearly rule us. Verse 2, you desire, right? There's that, that word desire, and do not have. So you recognize what you want, you do not actually have. And the verse goes on to say, so you murder. We kill to have what we do not have. And then it goes on to say, you covet, right? Covet, desiring, wanting what belongs to your neighbor, whether that's property whether that's wealth, you know, whether that's the other man's wife, right? Adultery is a sin. Why? Because you covet another man's wife. And then the adultery is the act of, of being unfaithful in a marriage, defiling the wedding bed and committing that act with another man's wife and vice versa. So you covet and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. That's that's what's happening with us here. The scriptures are showing us exactly what is happening. It isn't it isn't about, you know, Black Lives Matter or the vaccinations or the white privilege that's apparently 
you know, superseding everything and then it's holding down minorities and blacks. And, you know, it's not really about that. It's that within us, we have our pleasures and our desires, our carnal desires, our worldly desires at war. And we covet and we want and we do not have. So we go out to murder. We go out to take what is not ours rightfully because we want it. And you know what the funny thing is? All you have to do is ask God for it. <laughs> That's literally what the scriptures are, are showing here. Because if you read, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. And in our culture, especially a little bit more atheistic in these days, I mean, they're not going to ask a God they have no belief in. They're just not. So clearly, they're not going to think to ask God for the thing that they desire so much. Now, you have another person right now listening and saying, you know what? I hear you, but I actually did pray to God, and I did ask him to help me out, and I, and I do ask for these things in my life, and he doesn't give it. Well, let's keep reading before you get self-righteous in your stance there. Again, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3 then reads, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. Again, your passions are your desires, your selfish ambitions, your self-interest, your pleasures. And what are pleasures that we seek for in this world? Well, lust. We look for lust. We look for money. When money becomes our God. We look for that power, that desire of being known and famous and, and whatever to be recognized and be significant. These pleasures, these desires to be high, to be drunk, to, to, to be successful, right? Even the things that seemingly seem good to achieve, these desires are ill-placed and they take the place of God. And so when we do ask him for these things, for these, these I don't know, statuses or, or material, whatever it is that you desire to have, a home, a wife, a husband, you know, happiness, success. You ask wrongly because you have no intentions of honoring and glorifying God with it. It is all self-interest. It is all meant to self-please. You are worshiping yourself. That is the culture we live in. We live in that culture. And so God doesn't give it to you because you wrongly ask it. You know, in uh, the NIV version, I like the way it says it. It's a little bit more simple. I'm not too uh, big on the NIV, but I do appreciate how it reads. I'm going to read it all over again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That's yeah, that's that's exactly what's happening here. You want to spend it on your pleasures. Again, it's all self-interest. You have an agenda to fulfill. When God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. He has called us to go out and preach the gospel. You are not here for yourself. We, I'm not here for myself. 
this podcast isn't actually for me. May have started that way, but now I'm recognizing it is so that others can be enriched with the truth in the midst of chaos. And if we don't walk in that way, if we have no desire to glorify God and submit all things to Him, then whatever we're asking for is only just for you and me and for our pleasures and for our selfish gain. And this is what we're, what everyone's mad at, isn't it? Aren't you mad at the rich man who doesn't give out to you, oh, little poor one? Aren't you upset that someone has way too much and why, did, why should they have that much? I mean, you point the finger at them. But deep down in your heart, God knows you're just as wicked as they who have the money and don't steward it for the good of others. And then you completely neglect the fact that there are actually wealthy people out there that have consistently done good and have given away their wealth for the proclamation of the gospel, for the service of orphans and widows, for changing lives, from you know helping people battle addictions that ruin their lives. Do you know that there are people out there? You have to know this. It can't just be that everyone who's rich and has gained wealth or success or notoriety is an evil person who is out to just benefit themselves all the time. They're there, no doubt. But I'm saying you're not even taking a look at the other side of the coin. And so you go about angry, wanting what they have. Again, you you desire for your own wrong motives. We all clearly worship something, you know. I believe that uh, we worship ourselves and man in this day and age, like I mentioned, and this is the ideology of our culture today. However, one's feeling is how it directs them in their truth. I mean, if they feel this is what true is true to them, then everyone has to affirm that it's true for them. What we see in our culture: homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, pedophilia—all self-worship, all given into a debased mind. Critical race theory, intersectionality, white privilege, systemic racism. These are all victim mentality, mindset, and teachings that point to someone else without taking any proper responsibility for ourselves. We want to be a victim, blame someone else, and then say, you owe me. That's, that's what's, what's happening here in our culture. That's why we're okay with dividing our, our families and friends and acquaintances for something as stupid as a vaccine. And make no mistake about it, it's stupid. And that might offend you, but it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. But what should be our response? Or what would God have us do? All right? Because that's what we're here for. My prayer is that you're hearing what I'm saying, but now you're, you're wondering, okay, maybe that is happening in my heart. Maybe that is, maybe I, I am very selfish and self-motivated. And I don't get the things I want in life because in deep down inside, it's only meant to please me and my pleasures. So what, what will we do? Now, if you look at verse 6 of James, verse 6 is informing us that the Lord still gives more grace. Look, I'm going to read it. I'm, I have to read it. It's just, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's the God that I serve, guys. If you don't serve him, I don't understand. (laughs) Even in the midst of this wickedness within our own hearts, the total depravity that just completely 
spews out of our, our innermost parts and out into each other where we fight each other and completely divide each other for, God still yet gives us more grace. It is undeserved. You can't earn it clearly, but he gives it. That's what grace is. It's a free gift of forgiveness, of mercy, of long-suffering and steadfast love. He gives more grace. So one, you have to recognize there's grace. And then it goes on in, uh, well, before I go on to verse 7, God is telling us that he opposes the proud. Again, when we go back to the verse 1 and we see the quarreling and we see the fights and we see because it's because of uh, the passions that are at war within ourselves, that our desires are to have and so we kill for it and, and desire to have what our neighbor has so we, we fight for it to serve our own evil motives. At the end of the day, that's what it is. We realize that that all comes from a place of pride. Again, it's a self-worship kind of thing. It's a prideful thing. And so God says that he opposes the proud. He's against the proud. But he will give grace to the humble. That's what we need to humble ourselves. We need to recognize where we're at in life and be content with where God has us and be faithful to where he has us and work that ground. That's what we're supposed to do. Verse 7 then goes on to say, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So going back up to verse 7, I mean, you've already figured out what God would have us do. He would have us submit ourselves to him. Repent of our sins, to resist the devil and his schemes and what he has planted in our hearts. Those desires, those things, those selfish desires that you have that are evil, sexual immorality, desiring another man's wife or another woman's husband, desiring someone's property or belongings and stealing and killing for it, that all comes from Satan himself, the devil himself. And if we submit ourselves to God the Father and resist those temptations and those desires, the devil will flee from you. It goes on to tell us to draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. And then the instruction is to cleanse our hands, to repent again, because we are sinners. And we do need our hearts to be purified because we are double-minded. And then when it, when it says in verse 9, be wretched and mourn, weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning. And I don't think it means like, hey, stop being joyful right now. Make yourself cry because I don't think you feel bad. I think it's a recognition, a stop and realize that you actually have fallen short of God's glory. That you have sinned. And that sin has caused separation between you and God. And in that sin, Romans uh, uh, chapter 1 Verse 18 on down speaks about how he turns us over to a debased mind. And so we become corrupted by our own desires. He literally basically says here, you want it, you got it, you have it. And in that, we corrupt ourselves and destroy everything. 
I mean, look around you. Look at the chaos in our culture right now. Men being called women, women being called men, they're mutilating their bodies so that way they can go ahead and show forth that type of uh, destruction within the soul. And then we're supposed to, the culture is supposed to praise it and honor that, give them awards for it. We are in a very bad situation right now. Because we do not humble ourselves and recognize that he is God, that what he says is true. And he tells us to humble ourselves, to, to, to stop and recognize that sin, humble ourselves, turn to Christ, confess those sins and believe in him. And when we do so, he will exalt you. But if you go to him just for the exaltation, are you not still living in pride? That's why when you go to him and ask and you still have wrong motives, he does not give it to you because you know that he's going to exalt you when you quote unquote humble. But in reality, you still don't care about the gospel and about the truth and about people dying and going to hell. You don't care about it. But if you humble yourselves and you realize that what, what, what's happening here, God will draw near to you when you draw near to him and he will exalt you. Because at that moment, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the glory of God. You're thinking about your neighbor and how they too need to know who Christ is. And that's my purpose here. That's my purpose here. We've all fallen short. And what you're seeing right now in the culture is that of people just living out, looking for a purpose, wanting to please themselves, fighting amongst each other because they want what the other has. And that's a deep-rooted issue. Okay? Deep-rooted issue. Our only answer, our only redemption, guys, is Christ. The government may pretend it cares for you, but it's just a hired hand. We are sheep, and as soon as the wolf comes, the hired hand will abandon us to save itself. The Democrats and the left and even some Republicans will try to claim that they're, they're setting up things and sending us money to you know help us in times of need. That's their claim. That's what they keep saying, that that's what they're about. And it sounds good, right? Free health care. Uh, free, you know, take away our college uh, debts, you know, all that stuff. Uh, you know, he's gonna, they're gonna do that for us. You know, no rent. You know, let's abolish the bank. Let's abolish capitalism. You know, the evil capitalist society. Let's just let's do all that. But they're just a hired hand, and they do not care about you. As soon as the wolf comes, they abandon. They abandon us to save themselves. Let's look at John chapter 10, verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I'm going to pause right there. Only Christ cares about you. Only Jesus 
cares about your soul. Only he wants to give you true peace. Only he wants to show you what true contentment is. Only he wants to give you purpose in life. Real purpose. He wants to set us free from the bondage of sin that we are clearly fighting each other over. The thing that enslaves us and entraps us into our ways. While we always find ourselves in a vicious cycle of unhappiness and depression and and abuse of drugs and alcohol and promiscuous lifestyle and sex all over with anyone because you're trying to fill a void that cannot be fulfilled by these things. And now you, you, you've had so much of that that now you need to look at someone else's and fight the other person for it. The property that they have, you know, the, the, the way of life that they have. You have to fight for it because everything you've done so far has left you feeling empty inside. But Jesus is the good shepherd and he does care for his sheep because he laid his life down for us on the cross. Now, if you're here and you're like, man, you know, I am a Christian and I've been far from God or I am Christian and you know what? I just, I know that uh, even I am susceptible to these things. I hope this encourages you to run to Christ. But if you're not a Christian, here, check this out. Verse, uh, I believe, 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. He must bring them also, he says. I must bring them also. Because God the Father has said so. Because in, in other passages before, I believe, uh, Jesus tells us that no one comes to him unless the Father grants it. No one can come to Christ unless God the Father grants it. He chooses you, you don't choose him. And check this out. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. If you're here and you're listening and you're thinking and you're feeling something, and you can you agree, and there's something about this message that agrees, then this is this is Christ calling you. Because you're one of the you're supposed to be one of the fold. And in due time you will listen. Because he's opening your eyes. Because that's grace. That is grace. We we have nothing here on this earth that's going to save us, guys. Christ is the one who gives us eternal life. If we seek to, to save our lives here on this earth and, and try to attain all of its wealth and all of its accolades and be well known and have all the sex in the world, do all the drugs in the world, have all the money in the world, you will lose your life. Check this out. I'm literally just quoting scripture. Jesus then says in uh, chapter 12, verse 25 of John, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He, he, he informs us that if we try to seek to save this life, yeah, even when it comes down to trying to alienate our friends and family because of a vaccination status, putting on triple mask and hiding out and never never uh, interacting with people again or never going to church again, you know, these, these things, all that is a self-preservation of this life here because you love yourself too much. You are self-absorbed, self-interested, 
self-motivated. You are the God that you worship. And it's a very weak God. It's no God at all. You can't save yourself. There's not enough drugs you can put your hands on. There's not enough relationships you can get involved with. Not enough money you can acquire. If you seek to save your life here, which is what I'm seeing happening in the culture, people trying to save their lives here, even on the right, even those conservatives that are trying so hard to save conservatism for the sake of conservatism, but have no Christ in it. Seeking to save their way of life, the American dream, only to live the same way the left does for their passions, for their self-motivated interests. Whoever, whoever loves this life here will lose it. You will lose it. But whoever hates his life, who submits it and surrenders it to Christ for his glory, for his sake, you will actually find it. You will find peace. You will find purpose. But most importantly, you will get to spend the rest of eternity with him who created you. I hope that this brings some encouragement to you and I hope that it drives you to your knees to Christ in repentance putting trust in him the Bible tells us to cast our cares before him because he cares for us and so I hope this uh, this was an encouragement for you guys make sure that you share this with someone else make sure that you let me know what you're thinking about it there's a section in the show notes where it allows you to leave a voice message do so um, if you have prayer, if you want to know who this Christ is and you don't know how to go about it, please reach out to me. I'll, I'll link my email in the show notes as well and I'll reach out and we'll, we'll get this conversation going. All right. We'll spend some time in, in the book of John, you and I, and we will pray through it. And, and, and if I can't do it, if you're a young woman, then I will find uh, someone of the church, a woman who who loves the Lord and, and is all, is, it's about it and see if I can arrange a meetup for, for the men. I'm here at your service. This is important. This is a matter of life and death. Is it the chaos of this world or is it Christ? It's your choice. Let me know. Until then, God bless you.